And here we are with the return of the British Mason himself, Mr. Mason Potter himself, the studio audience, the crowd favourite. Yes. Oh, they love him. They absolutely love him. So, where are you now? You seem to be in Epstein's hideout, or is that just the name of the podcast? Where are you in your... Where in the world are you? I am in Epstein's secret hideout, so to speak. Um, This is where I've been doing uh, some of my podcasts and some interviews with... um, some of the some of the top fighters. I've just been in here. It's a little bit of a getaway for me. So uh, it's just a bit of my own space, I guess. A little home away from home. So regards to the interview, uh-huh. then, so what sort of spurred this on? Because before doing that, then it was more like a sort of stats upcoming kind of page. And then what was the general model of the British MMA scene before it sort of evolved to what it is now? What was the initial plan with that? So I didn't. I went into it because obviously the last time we spoke, I was. I was, I was still along the basis of just supporting the fighters and informing the followers. And I've tried, I've, I've certainly tried to keep it on that, but I'm looking at now getting these interviews in just so I can sort of become a little bit more at one with the community, because I feel like if I'm just messaging a few of these fighters here and there, they're not sort of seeing the enthusiasm on my side. So I want to come across as a little bit more approachable to those guys. And obviously through these interviews, I get a little bit more info, which is a pretty good trophy for one involved. I think this is where it gets quite interesting. Cause again, as much as you have good intentions, they just see another MMA page. And what do you think makes your sort of page different in itself? Cause again, I, I really like the way you're presenting it. Like what, what was your initial plan with that's, plans? Are a bit of a formal word. What was the idea behind the page itself in the sense of what you wanted to come across as? So I've, I think it's important for me to try and stay away from the fact that because at the moment the page is more is getting a lot more professional. So it makes me sort of seem like an MMA journalist, so to speak now, mm. whereas I'm looking to. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of MMA, obviously, and I'm looking to to sort of educate myself a little bit with British MMA because before, like I said, um, quite a while back, my knowledge with that was a little bit was was a little bit smaller so making this page sort of it's it was and still is a hobby to me and that's what I sort of want to get across that everybody that's on my page and even the people who haven't made it to my page yet are people who are who deserve to be noticed and that's what it's really about just magnifying the fight scene now this is where it gets us kind of awkward not crossroads but almost dilemma that where you want to build the page build the name and get the bigger fighters and then also give the lesser-known fighters, the earlier days fighters, their sort of spotlight. It gets quite tricky at that point. What would your ideal split with this be? In the sense of like, I don't know, what do you want? Weekly interviews with bigger names and then your feed mainly be about the sort of Amis coming up or 50-50? What's your ideal kind of... I don't know. What would you like the page to look like? It's, um, it's definitely kind of hard to say at the moment because... Obviously, when you look at the big household names, like let's say I post something maybe about um, someone like Leon Edwards, Darren Till, or up-and-coming um, Mohamed Mikhaev, they're all professionals with a lot of hype and a lot of or like establishment compared to the amateurs who are, say, 3 or 4 and 0, and they're going to be like the future. Because I'm looking at um, like Tiana Loran and Shay Ingram, and I put a post on those guys and the engagement was actually pretty good because people and like the hardcore fans, they do acknowledge that these are going to be here to stay. So I try and 
as much as I'm trying to sort of just like please the audience, I'm also trying to make it a pretty even split for for everyone involved because I don't want to come across as having favourites to whoever's pulling in the most likes for the algorithm. I want to make sure that the platform's pretty diverse for everybody. I mean, this again, on the same sort of conversation topic, there's a few things I want to sort of go into. One is mentioned Mohammed Makayev, his coach Dean Garnett. You need to get him on your podcast to talk about all things Epstein. That's, that's a little pin, in it, pin there to get into later. But um, yeah, obviously, being from um, style pops up Birmingham way, and friends like Brad Owen and other guys at Renegade, how do you find staying not impartial as such, but at least non-biased when it comes to posting about these sort of people in that area? It's um. It's quite difficult for me personally because, um, like training with uh, training with Brad and Maka, I get really excited. Like I get nearly as excited as them when I hear about their fight news coming up. So I'm trying my best to sort of show that enthusiasm more on my individual page than always on the British mates. Obviously, going to be a lot of fights. There's a lot of cards going on. Even with all this going on, there's still fights being made. So it's um, I've I found it quite a challenge at the start to sort of not so much steer away from from the people who I'm sort of fairly close to, but to try and make it a little bit more about everybody else, because as that educates myself a little bit more. Because before I sort of started like the British MMA scene page, I had no I had no clue who people like um like Louis Lee Scott were and just like loads of like household amateurs who have now turned pro. And it, so looking at these like people from a lot further away from me, a little bit further up the road, it's, uh, it, it, it helps me a lot more. And uh, more importantly, it just shows that um, everybody else that I'm not creating bias and everyone's, everyone's getting the chance. And this is it. And when I say creating bias, I say that in a bit of a, in the nicer light of it, because bias yeah. almost seems like you're, speaking down on other fighters and preferring mm. the Birmingham ones, whereas I meant it more in the sense of giving the Birmingham ones more attention and more focus because they're the ones you know. And in the nature of what you're trying to promote, it makes sense for you to spend more time with the other amateurs outside of your area because of the nature of what the model is to try and build up and give a bit more notice to these guys. Now, with that all being said then, let's play around with a few different things. And so first sort of topic we want to sort of get into is your training now. So obviously with the announcement with... Um, Russ, that the MMA program's now, has it come to an end completely? Has it been put to bed for a little bit? What's the situation with that? Um, so I had a phone call with Russ, I think, the day that he made the decision and made it formal. And um, he, he sounded like he was pretty certain that he doesn't see anything for it in the foreseeable future. That's how I interpret it. I don't obviously put words into his mouth because maybe his plans are a little bit different but um it just seems like everything's up in the air and uh i think from his side of things it seems like lockdown sort of was the final nail in the coffin i guess which is a uh, quite sad to see so my training's been a little bit scattered um i started getting some work in with uh with a boxing coach near me uh, mark gibbs he's uh trained quite a few high level boxers and he's trained with uh, joby clayton who was uh, known quite well for being uh, anthony joshua's coach and he, uh, he, also, he also trains Maka too. I thought and, uh, you recognised him. If you look, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out Maka. Big Mac. So um, if you, yeah, so if you go back like two years ago, like you can just see 
like how how much Maccas came on. So these are the sort of people I want to be surrounding myself with because he know he knows his stuff. I want to improve my boxing and I'm open to learning. But in terms of other places I've been training, it helps that uh, that Brad had his fight coming up against uh, your teammate Nick. So um, I was managing to inherit quite a lot of knowledge from uh, from the, like people like Dean James and uh, like from Brad and uh, Shaz, which was uh, pretty good to see. And um, it, it was it was good to surround myself with uh, with those sorts of people because you are a product of your environment. And surrounding myself with those sort of people's a lot more pos- a lot more uh, good than bad. Now, with all that being said then, so with Brad's fight coming up and the nature of the urgency and everything else, what was the initial, your involvement in that camp then? Because again, Brad, what you want to say is a bit more experienced than yourself. He's had yeah. more fights. This is a, a quite um, a tough fight in Nick Hayes' sort of performance. What did you feel your involvement in his camp was in the sense of were you trying to do things specifically? Was it a case of holding pads? Was it just doing whatever you needed? Because again, limited sort of facilities, you have to be creative. What was your yeah. initial involvement as such? So um, my involvement when we went up to um, to Dean's gym up in our Will and Hall, it was, for me, I, we were quite quite specific with it. So I was basically, if Shaz was there, I was just a partner for, for him to drill with. So if there was anything that Shaz thought that he needed to work on or Brad thought that he needed to work on himself, then um, I'd be there just so he's got someone to roll with. Or uh, even someone to strike with as well. If there's anything that he wanted to work on, I'm there. Just basically, just just a partner for him to drill with. And then, if there was a problem getting up there, then stay very local to us. And it'd be a case of just holding pads, going through some glove on glove, just uh, staying sharp really. So um, anyway, I could help. I was I was more than happy to. I mean, this is it as well. And I'll speak to the Ash Williams and a few other guys who have the same kind of training partners end up getting quite creative and get the most out of one another. And again, it's always good to see that. It's good to see the way you can sort of adapt in this current climate. Now, going forward then, what is your initial training plan then? Is it going to be the same kind of setup? Is it going to be going over to one of the bigger facilities, maybe Renegade or something like that in the nearby future? Or what's your I don't know, initial preference? Um, I'm definitely going to look to start getting a few of my sort of personal necessities like nailed and get all that sort of because right, right now I'm I'm still learning to drive so uh, I'm looking to get that out of the way because then I can get from A to B a little bit quicker and a lot easier so once I'm driving I've got a lot more options in front of me in terms of gyms maybe I'll come down BST and have a hey. few training sessions with you guys I think that'd be pretty cool um, possibly up at, uh, up, up at Renegade and up at Fearless they're still fairly close to me um, it seems that you have to travel just a little bit further away from where I live to get to these pretty top gyms. But I think looking at the caliber, which is fairly close, like around in that sort of one hour radius away from me, there, there, there's definitely options. And it's just for me to get my necessities and everything in place for me to be able to go and access those. Just to say, it's very important getting that sort of stuff done. I was curious if you meant by personal necessities. I was very concerned. But no, uh, yeah, driving and sort of logistics and stuff like that is definitely a part of it. Yeah. And now, with that all being said then, like, so this is where I get confused. So I think it's Jake Caddy. I think he trains at, does he train at Renegade? Because he trains at, is it, he trains at Fearless. Yeah. And the guys kind of float between those two gyms and another one, I think. Is, it, is Fearless and UTC the same one? Or is that someone else? 
Um, Fearless and UTC are two different gyms. Um, okay. You found that some of the, uh, like I think it's to my knowledge, that some of the guys who are, well, a majority of the guys that are Renegade now were initially going to Renegade to get their, their grappling working and UTC was more like a striking-based gym. And uh, it seems like they've sort of merged into one now because it seems like you've got like a variety of classes there and a variety of different types of fighters. Where Yeah, Jake trains at Fearless and he, he represents them quite well. Um, he's got a lot of respect for Camby, which you can see. Um, but yeah, you'll, you'll find that a lot of those guys that are at Fearless also will be training at Renegade too and getting some of their, their work in and sharing some of their knowledge with the guys at Renegade and vice versa. I mean, that's always a bit of a... It makes sense having that kind of community with it as well. And also, you've got other sort of... Like, I think you've got K-Star as well, the sort of kickboxing sort of side of things. And with your general involvement then, so this is where it gets quite tricky post-lockdown. And again, you have time to train yourself. So you have your MMA page. You are the friendly MMA journalist is like the sort of way of trying to get this happy hybrid of, okay, you're getting more involved, more professional, but you're approachable and you want to build fighters up and not catch them out as such. But then you're also your own training. So when fight shows are announced, are you going to be the one looking to fight on them or to do the media for them? Where, where do you sit on this? I think when it comes... Yeah, when it comes to the fight shows that I'm going to be fighting on, it seems like I'm definitely going to have to to not overlook anybody whatsoever and show everybody the respect that they need to be shown. So my opponent and their their team, etc. I'm going to have to make that focus specifically on myself and really hone in on the uh, on the fact that the page that I've got is is a hobby for me because I don't want to make it feel like it's going to be a chore in in a potential fight camp in the future because amazing strike and unbelievable grappling kind of smashes opponents <laughs> I fucking buys for yourself I'm going to fucking murder this guy fake it let's see from Poji really fucking tall like in the Mason face of it 4 0 tapology's a lie <laughs> just keep on adding names <laughs> just keep... <laughs> Old school Bama days and like cage rage and they fucking he's a busy boy. <laughs> Fighting in 2013 at the tender age of I think 12. <laughs> this is a final Wembley. Well, this is the Millennium Dome over is. But yeah, so the question wasn't more so if you fight, what you're going to do. It's a case of would you look? What would your priority be? So say your push comes to shove, you're given two options. You can either do the media side when you get there, so you can be the one interviewing the fighters. You could be the one doing all the sort of articles after the fact. Or you could be the one training to fight, having the fight, and then having the after fight, you know, recovery as that never. What is your preference if you had that fork in the road that fight show gets announced, eight weeks out, you've got your camp time if you want it, or you can just do your prep work and then do your interviews and whatever you need. What's your preference? Eight weeks out, fight camp prep. Yeah, I want to, because um, right now I'm, I'm pretty desperate to get in there. I want to just hurry up and improve, get myself a routine back in place properly. And um, I'm, I'm chomping a bit to, to get in there and just um, pick up, not so much where I left off, but pick up what I've sort of like fairly higher level fighters. So right now the, uh, the target, like a big goal for me is to, to get in the cage and just um, show, show myself what I've got, I guess. And then after that, I can start, um, looking back at the page again, or I could go sort of like a Paul Felder hybrid if I've got so much energy on the day and maybe interview fighters after I've fought. Who knows? We'll see. I highly doubt that, but maybe. Now, this is where that conversation gets interesting. 
It's interesting you use Paul Felder as an example. I would <clears throat> use Daniel Cormier in the sense of when he's actively fighting still and then he's constantly in his back and forth that he's doing all the media, he's doing like this being you get all these sort of fighter commentators, people who are part of the, the media side as well as the fighting side. It's the energy output, it's the time spent. Yes, it might be time when you weren't training anyway, but you're still involved in that sense. You're still trying to be mentally engaged in everything you're doing. Is then where do you draw these lines? And at what point is it too much? And again, what are the preferences? Because again, I'm not one for doing one thing and only one thing ever. Because you know, you burn out, you get bored, you want to do other stuff. So it's more yeah. the progression of the page versus the progression of your fight career as to where you want mm. things to go and where you want things to look out. And the podcast as well, something completely irrelevant, something irrelevant, off brand as such. Something very much like, you know, <laughs> you start asking, I don't know. Shazley about um, Epstein as to what <laughs> about his secret hideout. <laughs> you go off brand with all the MMA fighters. You go to like Bellator, but Aiden Lee. Like, how come um, there's a massive pedophilia cabal with all the politicians? Like, what are you on about? I want my fight back off. <laughs> he just gets happy medium. Like, okay, just start conspiracy theory questions with all the fighters. What's the plan? It's um, yeah, it's going to be definitely hard to um, to try and. So I want to obviously progress at both. Um, but I don't, but again, I want to consider the page and the, um, the podcast and the interviews. Like this is a brilliant opportunity for me. I've got a lot of idols and to me, I'm trying to use it as, as inspiration in a way, because hopefully depending on how things go, maybe in about, like eight or nine years time when, when, when a lot's happened, maybe someone else starts a, a maybe a, a rip off British MMA scene. And uh, maybe I start getting interviewed. And um, sometimes I think about that a little bit and I'm like, that sort of excites me. So in a way it motivates me, but sometimes um, it, it's definitely important to take that step back and actually remember what you are doing it for and to keep it strictly as, as a hobby and, and to enjoy myself. Now, that's where the real lines you have to draw somewhere in the sand. So, you have your hobby versus... No, let me rephrase that. So, you have your hobby. Now, this hobby in itself, if it was just you doing it and you looking at it and admiring it, happy days. But social media influence. So, instead of you doing the local shows, the people you know, the people you want to find out about, you know that if you do something about the current UFC overseas that isn't British MMA, you know, you'll get some traction, you know, you'll get some clicks, you'll get some, you know, you'll build. Now, how do you draw that line as to what's going to build your page versus what is integral to what you want to build in itself? So do you mean sort of what sort of steers away from British MMA? Exactly. Yeah, so, what attracts the audience? Or yeah, I'm, so, I'm not sure what you actually mean by that one. So the question is, when you're choosing your content and what things to sort of post, in the sense of, okay, yes, this is going on in the UFC. Mm. Yes, this is active MMA news, but it's not specifically British MMA theme, not, not particularly British MMA fighters. So, is that mm. a case of, do you take something like that to build as a whole page, or do you feel it's steering away from the original brand and the original messaging? What do you feel with that kind of uh, the line versus what you're trying to build versus what you end up producing as a result of part of the environment of you're in. You see I mean? yeah. 
Yeah, so um, steered away from the um, from the British quite fairly hot topics outside of British MMA that do need reporting. And um, I'll use quite a few examples. There was uh, when uh, Khabib's um, dad, Abdulmanah, sadly uh, passed away. I didn't see many Instagram pages that actually got to that sort of report and to that sort of like tragic news that fast. And Abdulmanap's a legend of the uh, of the sport, and he's obviously brought through some some top guys. And uh, for me, that was honest, that was honestly a way of sort of paying my condolences, informing the people, um, giving them an update on how his condition was and how it how it got worse, inevitably. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I stood away a little bit with that one, but it's sort of it's those sort of articles that have helped grow me a little bit more as a page, sadly, because that's a hot topic. That got a lot of shares. And um, by, word of, by word of mouth and common interest, I, I, I even got a few followers from that. And uh, another example was um, <laughs> Conor McGregor. Uh, I shared... A, I'm, get, I'm getting on to it. So I shared a post of him um, donating, I think, um, like a million, like a million pounds worth of, like, personal protective equipment for uh, for nurses and doctors in hospitals and for some reason I, I just happened to wake up at like half three in the morning to see uh, the notorious MMA has liked your post so as well. I go onto the page I see that yeah I see it's got the blue tick I see that he was following 932 people being followed by 36 million and I squirted like a little four-year-old girl um, and, it, and it was those sort of things that really made me grow a little bit more as a page because I have not let go of that. Really? Dan, I've not. I've have you not? Really? No, no, I've not let go of that one. So, just, oh. so for when this does come out, guys, Conor McGregor liked one of my posts. Um, and in case you didn't know, Conor McGregor more, liked one of my posts. A bit more context, guys. Me and Mason are in a group chat. Yeah, and follow and, up, just in and, case you didn't know. Conor, and yeah. every sort of thing is either Epstein didn't kill himself or Conor McGregor liked one of his posts and or a sort of cross point of um, Conor McGregor, like one of Jeff- Jeffrey Epstein's posts, and it gets a bit controversial at that point, but that's not the conversation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Moving on swiftly. So that's the next point. So, um, yeah, so, no, so to answer your question a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So to answer your question a little bit more, um, it's those sort of like topics that steer away from British MMA that sort of help grow like, my page as a brand a little bit more, and it puts a little bit more... It's, kind of ironic because these aren't obviously British MMA topics and like I'm trying to promote myself as the British MMA scene but it's these sort of topics that sort of get that attention from people who might be British MMA fans but are more like enticed by like the like the like the big topics like people like Conor McGregor and like Nate Diaz and sort of like big superstars like that and obviously Khabib so um it's nice to sort of really open up my audience so they can like and then choose to support British MMA after that. Now, this is where that sort of point gets quite strong. Because, again, if you've got a page where you're only supporting the amateurs and they're only being supported by other amateurs, there's only a certain amount of notoriety they can get, a certain amount of, like, notoriety, sort of fame, and a tr- not, not fame, even that's dramatic itself, give it attention yes. a bit more, like, sort of, you know, more eyes on them. Whereas if you start building your page as a whole with mm. that kind of wholesome, good, good tasteful kind of posting because again if you just start sharing stuff like darren till the taxis and like you know i'm kind of punching old men 
it gets a bit scandalous and a bit yeah. like, okay, now you become a Daily Mail. Whereas now you're a bit more, okay, it's still the same tone of, okay, this is wholesome MMA thing. This is trying to like build up the fires, build up the image of certain things. So when it comes to posting about the more local talent, they can have a bit more, I don't know, they can get held in the same light instead of, okay, they're part of the tabloid page. They just take it with a pinch of salt. No, it's a bit more in a nicer tone. So before we, um, <laughs> before we carry on then, have you heard about Probellum at the weekend? What the news of that? So I've heard, well, I saw their statement on it, that um, mm. their show's unfortunately been uh, postponed. Their, um, their license has been uh, revoked to, um, like from, the, from the venue to, uh, to, hop, to uh, host the show. Um, it seems COVID-related, so uh, it seems to get in the way of quite a lot. I'm not sure the, uh, the ins and outs of it. All I know is that, it's, um, that a lot of fighters are going to be unhappy that they, uh, that they can't show their skills on that show. And this is what's really unsettling at the minute, especially when it comes to British MMA, is you get like the contenders event, which ran like clockwork. Everyone, you know, everyone I've spoken to from the event, they've had a whole, a really good experience with it. Obviously they've had date changes and stuff, but they've sort of gone with it. You know, the show ran around on time. Yeah. Everyone got what they needed to do, they got their fights in. I can't help but feel, you get, you had Celtic and you had um, another one as well. That seemed to actually run and everyone's happy. But I can't help but feel quite unsettled. If I was to get a fight book now, say if I was to fight, I don't know, November, I wouldn't feel confident that fight's going to go through and things aren't going to move around. Like, fight camps yeah. are for the best of times. But like, where do you sit now on, say, if you get a fight booked, how confident are you your fight's going to go through? And how can, you, how can you train with the same kind of, like, you know, I know this is going to be for certain. I'm, I'm going to cut out the Jaffa Cakes the way it's going to come down. I've got to deal with this. Like, where do you draw your sort of line? I don't know. It's, yeah, it's definitely going to be quite a big mental game because if you let it affect you, it will. Because um, I can imagine it's like a lot, a lot more unsettling for, for the fighters who were scheduled to fight in Probellum because contenders, like you said, ran smoothly. So it gave a lot of fighters preparing for that show this sort of, not so much false hope, but like just li- like literally hope that they were going to be able to fight and it was going to run maybe smoothly, even more smooth than contenders. And then that's had to be postponed. So I think training for a fight now is going to be, it's definitely going to be quite, um, quite mentally testing for, uh, for every fighter who's going to be preparing for a fight now because they're, they're all going to be quite unsure whether if they can worry about the calories, whether they can have, have a cheat day and sort of take their foot off the gas a little bit because a lot of people are going to be quite sceptical now about these shows either running or being cancelled. So it's kind of sad. And also with the evolution of the sport in itself, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the weight divisions. So obviously without the sort of facilities to cut weight, obviously some places still have their soreness and stuff open, which would be the dream, but we haven't had that luxury just yet. But when it comes to contenders, for example, there are a lot of like catch weights bouts, like Brad's and Nick's fight, for example, at 74. Those mm-hmm. two at 74 was wonderful. They'd easily fight at 70, but they look a lot more fucking miserable at 70. I'll tell you that much now. Yeah. And um, you had a few 64s, like these sort of middle ones. Like, I love, a, I love a 74. I love a 68. It's a dream. But it'd be interesting to see regards of how the weight cuts go and if everyone naturally moves up a little bit. Because I don't want to get 66 in my 
in my bathtub in my house. I want to get to it did it on a sauna at the gym <laughs> or wherever else. I'm yeah, not gonna fucking sitting there with my mum sort of telling me, Oh fucking have some tea at the cup of down. Come with it. <laughs> Should we want a coke or anything? You know, just, just anything, please. <laughs> but get away from that nonsense. I don't don't look yeah, out for me. I wanna I wanna die. I wanna lose a bit of weight and almost die. Let me crack on please. <laughs> yeah, please, please mum. Um I'm doing so, so I can yeah, fight in a gonna... cage, just please appreciate this. Go on. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be, um, I'm not sure whether, because I think it's good to see that these fighters are having that sort of mutual agreement because it's, uh, it's no secret that, that Brad and Nick, they're, um, they, are, they are both fighters who would perform quite well at lightweight, but with, like you said, with the facilities sort of being taken away from, um, from people, um, not, just, not just those two. I think it's, def- it's nice to see the people making that mutual agreement to maybe meet at that catch weight or maybe think, you know what, we're, we're two reasonably same, similar sized fighters. Why don't we just meet in the middle somewhere and uh, let's just get to punching each other in the face. And that's kind of the beauty of it. Like if you take into account, was it cowboy and um, pet, it's that kind of thing, fighting a welterweight. It's a lightweight, lightweight yeah. fighter, welterweight. It's the absolute dream. Like they are the right size for each other, but they haven't got a cut weight. Exactly what you want. So now moving on to all things not MMA and all things conspiracy. So Epstein, talk me through the podcast. Talk me through the conversation that made that podcast and talk me through what the general structure is of it now. Like, where does this come from? Right. This was literally just a very small epiphany rainstorm. Epiphany? Um, <laughs> I literally just, I think, yeah, yeah, no, no, it really was. Um, Dogmatic kind of practice so of the scene secret hideout. I, I, sh- I think I shared some on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so that name came along quite, quite naturally. So I'm with, um, I'm with a group of my mates um, and one of my close friends, uh, Cameron Taylor, shout out Cameron, he, uh, He's he's pretty big, at quite just as well, yeah, just as enthusiastic as me with this sort of stuff. And um, it literally, I literally just blurted out. I I literally said to him, "Yo, Cam, Epstein didn't kill himself." And 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 he looked at me, and we we just connected like spiritually <laughs> a lot more. And he was like, "Nah, nah, no, nah, he didn't." <laughs> so um, and then I, then I find out that, that I'm getting this shed, and I'm like, so so he suggests that we that we maybe do a podcast about it. And I'm like, yeah, let's um, have a beer or six and talk some, talk some shit about that. And um, he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, what, uh, what are we going to call the podcast? And then my other mate, uh, Owen, shout out Owen. Two he mates. You call it Epstein right. Secret Hideout. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I'm doing brilliant. So uh, he, um, he says, it's simple. you just call it Epstein Secret Hideout. And we're like, sweet, there we go. Let's make it, let's, let's make it official. Let's have some fun with it. And uh, yesterday was the first episode, so you can find that. Um, you literally just type in Epstein's Secret Hideout on Spotify, and uh, you'll see there's the uh, trailer, like the intro of the episode, and then you'll actually find uh, part one of... Um, I think we're going to do two on him, unless anything else develops. Uh, or get killed by the royal family, and they turn it into a, into a suicide. We'll, we'll have to see. So for everyone listening now, I've got my phone open on Spotify and I'm going to type in is Epstein and I'm curious if it's the first thing. If it's not, I'll be more concerned. Okay, there's songs. 
the mysterious what mysterious mr epstein's a podcast epstein the devil in the darkness jeffrey epstein episode one there's quite a few Geordie. and there we are the epstein secret hideout pops up straight away that's what we'd love to see that's wonderful and again guys this is on spotify it's on other streaming platforms as well is it on an apple podcast or anything else um, I think we're going to be looking to um, to stream it on some of the platforms. I think we were just looking to get this one out the way. Um, if we had some good reviews on Spotify or if we found out that few, like a lot of people can access it, we'll maybe look to get it up on YouTube as well. If it's uh, quite a hot topic, that has got a lot of engagement on Spotify. So uh, we're definitely going to look to sort of broaden our, um, our platforms and, and get it onto, uh, onto, onto other uh, sort of sites and um, for everybody to access. As long as you don't get censored by um, you know, the um <laughs> the pressure on. The thing is, like YouTube is certainly the way to um promote this kind of podcast as well, especially if you've got them in person to record it that kind of live as well. The trick of doing the zoom ones is you get another like it's tricky to get good quality video in the sense of you get pretty stagnant kind of video chats we have now. Whereas you've got guys like physically there, it looks a lot more Oh, they're a natural film. And again, this is where I've, I've got a lot of um. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you'll really enjoy it. I think that's where the, it's going to grow from. Because with anything, if you want to do it, you will do it so much better than if you have to do it. And you, I can't wait to like listen mm-hmm. to it after this. Yeah. I'm buzzing. <laughs> that passion you got for it so far. We um we had, we had yeah we had uh, we had quite a lot of fun with it. And um, it's another one where I'm still educating myself and whatever I know, Educated I will in happily brackets. pass on to other people. <laughs> yeah, educational purposes, of course, yeah. Um, we've, uh, there's, there's, quite, there's quite a fair bit I want to talk about. Um, and we had quite a lot of fun yesterday just um, talking about... I also took your advice about using uh, Anchor as well. That's how we obviously uh, uploaded all that. It made it a lot easier. Anchor, doing uh, a few edits and stuff, that made it a lot better. So um, it was... Uh, Everything ran pretty smooth. It took us about probably five minutes to sort of get into the transition of the fact that we were recording a chat that we were having because obviously you've got to stay professional for for everybody listening, so it's quite easy to like easier to listen to. But um, we to still to still have that informal conversation as well. Yeah, this is where it gets really tricky. And I, I hate the fact you used the word professional because it makes me have to sort of, you know, pro- <laughs> properly pronunciate what I'm saying and sound all professional. But yeah, you, it's a tricky kind of happy medium between not chatting over each yes. other, but also like, you know, being yourselves. And it's, it's just a bit of a, it's a niche. But so anyone listening, looking to start a podcast, Anchor's a good starting point. Um, side note to Anchor, don't do their ads through it because it's only you can only cash out if you're in the US. So you know, a little bit pro tip there. Um, but Anchor's really good, free. You can upload straight from your phone, and again, depends how you want to do it. It's a nice little starting point. And after this, I'll go through a few more bits and bobs with you on like getting development from Anchor itself. But yeah, it's a really good way of starting it. That's not an ad as such; it's just a reference point for anyone. Until Anchor's not paying me, I ain't gonna advertise for them. Because <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Gotta get that I bag. Like <laughs> That's what we want. Exactly. Get, that... get the bag. Secure the bag. Now to talk about securing the bag. Now, MMA seen sponsors. I've seen there's a few lurking about here and there. Who are the current sponsors of the MMA scene? So on the um on the page at the moment, um, we were initially in talks with um Santini Seven. They were um a, they were a 
protein supplement um, business. And I think that was sort of a little bit of a, um, a mix between like myself personally and my page because their products would obviously benefit me and I'd be able to give them that platform on the page. But that um, we've, we've currently held that, we've, we've held that thought for now. But uh, the guy who's been helping us a lot behind the scenes is um, Mitch Key from Key Design. He's, um, he's in my like, highlights. Um, mm. He's designed quite a few templates for me. Um, he's, he's done a lot of logos for me. Uh, the logo for uh, the ESH podcast as well, which um, was quite helpful just to save me a bit of time. And he's always he's always checking up. He's always um, sharing a, a lot of my content and just showing the love. And uh, we we get along quite well, so um, it's it's quite easy and it's quite um, quite quite an organic sort of um, quite an organic like partnership because we're we're helping each other out because because we want to, not because it's some sort of like agreement. It's more of a like a friendly mutual agreement where we can help each other out because we can and because we want to. And that's kind of, I was going to ask about the um, Epstein uh, secret hideout logo because I think I thought it was really nice. I like the way the sort of wood sort of finish on it. looks proper like, you know, actual professional stuff. That's what we want. But no, it's good that you've got that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And again, when it comes to this whole sort of sponsoring side, it gets tricky in regards of what you're sort of looking for and how to sort of develop like. So here's a little shameless yeah. plug for my sponsors. So we have Fight Fuel UK and more MMA. So Fight Fuel UK, all supplements, some fightwear as well. And the thing with these guys, they sponsor a lot of different podcasts, a lot of different fighters. They're putting their money where their mouth is and they're making sure people are getting supported. And the least we could do is support them back, drop them a follow, place an order. And Mall MMA, they're doing that in their own way, shape and form by making the prices very affordable. Even too affordable, some would say. <laughs> make yeah. sure you're whacking um, FCMMA 20 for 20% off. That's a little shameless Ooh, plug yes. there. That's my, that's my, Maybe. My boy, I like my boy, it. My boy shout out. That's what we want. Shout out Freddie. Yes. <laughs> it's one of those ones anyway um so rest of your time then it's a tricky one so what does your week look like then so how, how often are you going to record the podcast is that going to be a weekly thing a couple of days a week is it going to be every now and then what's the structure with that so at the moment um in terms of the esh podcast bit of time to cool down do a little bit of research on things because i'm keeping it fairly open to like the following right now we've, we've got quite a small following because i you know i haven't pushed it as much so i'm i'm gonna constantly be be on to my followers and like like the fan base like what they want us to talk about um things they want us to include and that just gives them enough time to uh to get their input in so i think we're looking to be recording every wednesday because Wednesday's quite a um, quite a chill day for me. Uh, I've, I've got quite a lot of time on my hands there, so um, yeah, it's going to look like we're going to be recording on Wednesday, and uh, it can be released as early as Wednesday, or it will be released on um, on a Saturday of every week, so about like three days after, just so it gives everybody that time to decide what they want to be listening to, just so um, satisfying the audience. But yeah, that that's going to be that's going to be weekly uh, episodic. That's always a tricky one in itself because even the way you phrase it, satisfying the audience. So if I say I want to listen to Madeleine McCann conspiracies and Brad says he wants to listen to Jeffrey Epstein, one of us is going to be let down. Who, who's what's your priority there? Is it what you want to talk about or is it what we want to hear? Is it who? What's, what's, where do you sit with it? 
So if it's a um, if it's a topic that we've spoke uh, or that we've exhausted quite a lot, because obviously the next episode we plan on doing is uh, the part two, where we'll talk about um, like the uh, the murder suicide sort of debate and um, how that sort of doesn't add up, what does add up, what um, just doesn't make sense about it. So it it all depends on what we've already covered. And uh, let's say if we do take those two topics about um, Ma- like Madeleine McCann and Jeffrey Epstein, and uh, I can't believe I'm honestly talking about this. Combine them together. <laughs> but let's say... <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but let's say... Um, That's we, a thumbnail. So I'll put that on my page and I'll just see. <laughs> so I'll just see, do you guys want to... Um, like, which one does the rest of my audience want to listen to out of those two? And um, it'll be it'll be about it'll be about popular vote. If and if it all makes sense, then that's going to be the one that we're going to go for. So, uh, but this is a, this is a spoiler. We will definitely be talking about Madeleine McCann because that stuff interests me a lot. There's so much that's still in the dark, and I want to go down the rabbit hole, so to speak. I want to I want to unearth a lot of um, information and answer some questions that everybody wants to know. Now, so just to recap, where can people find that? Where, when can they find that? And where can they follow it? So Spotify, you can, uh, you can follow the ESH podcast. It is, um, it is called Epstein's Secret Hideout. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. It is esh.podcast. Um, we've still got a fairly relatively small following. But we're looking to um, we're looking to see that growth there gradually. The more people start supporting us and um, liking our content, more importantly. And now, where can they find your MMA page? So you can simply find it on Instagram, the British MMA scene. You'll find that on Instagram. Uh, any like, follow, or share is much uh, much appreciated. Um, you're not, you're not just supporting me, you're supporting everybody that's made it to the page or everyone that's going to make it to the page. And um, any time I, I see the shares, I, um, I, I really appreciate that. So through the content, see what you like or don't like, bit of feedback, criticism, um, I'm, I'm all ears. Awesome. And that will be in the description, guys.